coffee drinkers, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are listening around the world, bass players, musicians of the world, what's happening? So much to report and uh, a little idea given to me by my good friend, donated, gifted to me, shall we say, by my good friend, Justin Vasquez. You may know him from such podcasts as The Live Archive, which we used to have together. I mean, I guess we still do. It's up and running. Check out the live archive. Seriously cool amount of live bootleg stuff, which we, you know, proceed to talk mostly good about (laughs) for hours at a time. Um, But yeah, Justin had this idea today. He's like, yeah, you should make a video. It was a video idea. Um, And here I am using it for the podcast because I thought it was kind of cool. And it immediately made me go to like a bunch of music I love. And that is embedded. It's so deeply in my brain that uh, that it's impossible to forget. And he said, um, uh, well, let's see. Actually, I think I've got his text here. Uh, 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 um, yeah. What are the most iconic openings to solos? So jazz solos, most iconic openings. Um, I like three seconds later threw in our chat. Uh, Mike Brecker, well, some Mike Brecker, Pat Metheny, Lee Morgan, um, Cannibal Adley, Nat Adley, so many different things. And I'm going to play a few for you here right now. I'm going to start off with something that I used to just smash over and over and over in my car. I had a cassette of this and in my car in London before I moved to the States. I used to, just, I used to listen to this album a lot, but this track in particular, as you're about to hear... Um, Get some volume there on the mic. Also, that bass lick, that's Daryl Jones. That's the munch playing bass. And I always remember that sticking as one of the first kind of like jazz fusion little bass licks I learned. Anyway, this is it. This is Mike Brecker on Sumo. Steps ahead live in Tokyo. (laughs) That's ridiculous. I think I was talking over the beginning of that. Let's... Wind it back and and listen again how gratuitously violent that is. This is 1986, Mike Brecker on full God mode. Um, live in Tokyo with Steps Ahead with Steve Smith, Daryl Jones, Mike Stern, Mike Manieri. I mean, I remember every single note of this solo, transcribed it many, I was going to say years ago, it's actually a couple of decades uh, ago now, and um, still remember it. It's those little things that stick in the head, and that whole era of cassette tapes and just rewinding things. I've I've been finding, did a quick uh, kind of purge and storage clean out and all that kind of stuff in the house um, last week, and found like the mother load of cassette tapes, just just everything, like from when I was a kid, all the Lawrence Cottle gigs around London that I used to record on my dictaphone and then go home and you know, stay up all night learning, uh, all kinds of stuff, John McLaughlin gigs, uh, Joe Zawinul gigs, all kinds of stuff that I would go and bootleg myself, and then gigs of my own band, holy crap. So a quick, uh, yeah, quick update on the recording and everything that kind of ties in nicely with that. 
Um, I, I, I mentioned to you guys, I think I'm going to do a pre-sale, uh, for the new album, which we've recorded. It's actually only a few weeks away now that we're recording the album. Um, so I'm going to do a pre-sale with it. And I've been like trying to put together all these really kind of nice packages at different levels, you know, for, you know, everyone's financially able at different levels. So I'm trying to like make sure everyone's kind of catered for and make sure there's like a ton of value in there and that it's kind of unique. And with this mother load of cassette tapes, I actually found a tape of my band, uh, is it 97 or 98? In the, in the end of the 90s, I think 98, before I moved to the States, that actually has the same piano player that's doing the album with me this month in Spain. He was in my band back then, Tom Corley. And uh, so I have some of that. And I'm I, the, the cassette tapes, you know, they're cassette tapes. So they sound like what they sound like. They're definitely on the bootleggy side from 1998. You can pretty much imagine what that sounds like. But you can actually hear everything that's going on. So I've been slowly digitizing them and recording them out of this old Sony boombox that is randomly in the house. I think this is from Chelsea's dad or something. We borrowed it. I don't know. But I've been randomly digitizing a few of these things. And I think in one of the levels, um, the pre-sale levels, I'm going to add some of those bootleg tracks, maybe put a little bit of a fake master, for want of a better word on it, kind of master them, get get rid of some of the hiss, Nice EQ, a little bit of compression, perhaps something, just something to make it like totally listenable. And it gives you, I guess, a little bit of a kind of look into the then and the now. I think this whole album is is a lot to do with that as as I conceptualize all the music and kind of see this arc of the music from the beginning to the end of the album. It really is about kind of my life, where that started musically, the, the the twists and turns that it took and kind of where it is now like the freedom i have musically now that's that's the goal for the end of the album i mean conceptually that's the goal for the whole album is to show that freedom and that idea and feeling of you know re- relaxation and honesty and being able to do what i want musically um but to really try and tell that story through you know through 10 or 12 tracks however many end up being on the final you know on the final album and I think just to add as as a bonus to to one of the levels of the presale, uh, a couple of these tracks with me and Tom all those years ago, twenty five uh, years ago almost. And then I've got stuff from ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. I like I've got like literally the first band I was in, a band called Transmission with my buddy Trevor Myers, who's a fantastic trombone player in London, now plays with Tom Jones and just everyone. It's amazing. Also going back through it all to see where everyone ended up. Um, and, and what they do musically, and some people are not in music at all anymore, of course, uh, you know, everyone's going to go in very different ways, but kind of the few of us that did end up doing this, you know, lifelong, and making a career out of it, and what we did, and how we played then, and there there are certain things that is a little bit cringy, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it's probably going to be harder to release a couple of these tracks of my band with my playing from when I was like 18 or 19, it's going to be harder to release that than it is new music, just because it comes with like, oh, wow, this is a long time ago. I obviously didn't have a lot of stuff together yet. But it's also incredible to hear some of the things that have stayed with me in terms of time and feel. And, you know, that kind of ties in, I guess, nicely here with this stuff we're listening to with the greatest solo openings. I've played you already this Steps Ahead. I'm going to play it again because it's so badass. This Mike Brecker. Oh, my God. The whole solo. Just that whole that whole era but it's not you know it's not just fusion and kind of fused out mike brecker of course everyone knows i'm a pat metheny fan so um 
amazingly, so there's there's a the, the famous guitar break on Pat Metheny's third win. Let me see if I can find it here. It's probably like, oh, just missed it. So again, this is another tie-in. I found uh, a cassette tape of the Berklee College of Music Bass Department concert from like spring of 2000, so 22 years ago. Trio with me, Bob Reynolds, and Ferenc Nemeth, Frank Nemeth, my good friend from Hungary, we Berkeley together. You probably know him from playing with uh, Leonor Lueke and Gilfer Mar, and just an incredible musician, great drama, band leader in his own right. And I found this tape, and it's us playing trio, improvising and playing some things, but we play that line in unison together. I, I wrote it out for Bob. He learned it. I, I already knew it. Because I transcribed it, so I'm pretty sure Bob probably mostly knew it as well. I know he's even made a video about that on YouTube not that long ago. But these kind of little things that stay with us so long. And for anyone who didn't catch that, I know I really got to be be better at saying exactly where that's from. That's Pat Metheny, the Pat Metheny Group. Um, the album is called Still Life Talking. That is the track. Track number five is Third Wind. And that's the guitar break on that. I'll even tell you, where is it? It's about around a minute and a half or so. Bam. So talk about epic openings to solos. I think that has to definitely go up in the in my Hall of Fame anyway. I think Justin was in agreement with that when I threw those those few suggestions in our chat. Um, amazing kind of, you know, maybe it's inside baseball, maybe it's an urban myth. I've heard it from so many people at this point that I sort of amazingly have to think that it's true that Pat actually cut that that break together from a bunch of different takes and the the rumors go from 10 takes to 30 takes like it doesn't matter the fact that it was cut together potentially and sounds that natural is amazing what's even more amazing to me the real thing is like I've seen Pat live more times than I can remember I've heard him play that tune uh, at least a dozen times if not two dozen times and every single time the break comes along he plays it. He doesn't play the same thing. He plays a new break every time, and it sounds perfect. So the guy who allegedly, I, I don't know, we'd have to ask him, I guess. Or wonder if he'd even admit to it. I don't know. But anyway, the amazing thing being, it doesn't matter whether he, he pieced it together for the record. That's just, to my mind, a production technique. If it makes the music sound good and better and, and you know, it serves the song and, and you get to present your music you know, better on an album. I think I'm kind of a fan of that if that's your mode of, of working. But really, like I said, the amazing thing that he can do that so consistently live and it just sounds incredible. So yeah, lots of lots of things kind of circling back on themselves in kind of my history with music and this little suggestion that Justin threw in the chat. Um, and now as I'm talking, I'm remembering a Tim Miller break maybe on maybe on live at the 55 bar which i'm the reason i'm thinking that is because justin played on that record um that was kind of when we were playing the most together and uh you know being in new york and just playing with all those cats and tim and elliot mason and brad and, and you know all the guys justin and uh, yeah I, I gotta go back and research that one a little more probably should have dragged that out of the archives so that was third wind pat Matheny. um i'm not sure I can add the bonus track, uh, a bonus track from the bass concert from Berkeley. It's probably copywritten or something, but maybe I'll play it in a podcast at some point once I get that digitized, just to just to let you guys in 
in the in the uh, in in the dressing room, so to speak, <laughs> of some interesting choices I used to make as a musician. Um, and what else did I say? In here? Oh yeah, so let's get away from fusion. Let's go back to the '60s, and let's go to um, let's go to John Coltrane's Blue Train and Lee Morgan's uh, break on Locomotion. Third track on it. I think Train goes first. Yep, and then Curtis Fuller. Here we go. And here comes Lee Morgan. Here we go. Ah, the time. Like, you guys, girls, bass players, do you know I talk about time and sound all the t- all the time and that is it right there that that just the aggressiveness of that opening where is it sorry and also i just have the mic of the zoom h6 facing my studio monitors uh, so this is not high quality by any means and you should, you should go check out this record anyways blue train uh from i said 1958 not the 60s 1958 um blue train john coltrane track three locomotion ah just the aggressiveness with which he leans into that and the forward motion is that's what i'm talking about time and sound and it's also casual as well it's just so like so loose but so burning so yeah that that to me is way way up there um i dropped another one in our chat and it was what was it it was um from jj johnson uh trombone master that's the name of that record you can probably hear me typing this into um into spotify right now trombone master and it's the it's the nat adley cannibal adley's brother one of the most underrated trumpet players of all time i think um uh, this is jj johnson the trombone master it's the first track mysterioso which is a Thelonious Monk tune, as far as I remember. Um, That's Mysterioso. And then we get into right around a minute. Yeah, right around a minute and a half. Here comes Nat Adley. Mm. It's more than the opening. It's like the whole freaking thing. And we also, I also like when he said, "Hey, what about openings?" I was like, "Yeah, but we got we can't like miss out transitions and handoffs." And um, one of our favorite, both of our favorites, he was like, "Yeah, that." When I said it, he's like, "That's top five for sure." And it is uh, the Michael Brecker handoff to, or the Matheny handoff to Brecker on Original Rays from Michael Brecker's first album. Um, happens somewhere down the middle of the song. So So Pat's going. And just the... the handoff to Mike right here. The energy level goes up a notch. Hmm... just the dovetail of that i love that the blending and okay so 
why am I sharing this shit with you? It wasn't just because Justin said it was a good idea, and I, I happen to agree with him. It was a great idea. It'd be awesome with a well-produced video and you know, images and pictures of all these people and album covers and that kind of stuff. But here I am. I've got 30 minutes off of dad duty to record the podcast, so I'm doing it here. Why am I sharing this with you? Because this is the makeup. The the These are the, the DNA, kind of, of my you know history as a as an improvising musician just as a musician period it just happens to be centered a lot around jazz and improvised music melodic instrumental music like this um but that's as i like i said as i'm conceptualizing the music for the new record and realizing all these things about the past and how that informs my future i i I see how important that 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 fundamental these dna strands that run all through my education, through my learning, through basically everything I do, how important those things are um, and how they continue to be for me. Like, I'm not making music like like this. I'm not making with acoustic piano and drums and tenor saxophone playing like that jazz style. That's not the music I'm making. Um, but it's still fundamentally informs what I do and has given me the ability to have touch and dynamics and range and all of those things that are important in finding your voice as a musician. So I don't think I've ever been as, hmm, is it happy? No, I've, I've often been happy to go in the studio and play, but I don't think I've ever been this sort of, um, maybe curious. That's one of my favorite words. I don't think I've ever been this curious about what is to come when we get to the studio because I've been trying to maybe more, maybe this is what it is. Maybe I've been trying to set myself up for success more so than ever on a recording session as a band leader before. I think before it's been many, many times the case has been, I've, you know, I've, okay, I know I'm going to make a record. Uh, I know the musicians I'm going to have on the album. So I'm going to write music specifically for them. And then I'm going to have this schedule. I know I need to get the music finished, write the charts, maybe make some demos, send it to the cats probably not going to have a lot of time if any to rehearse maybe we get a day in the studio you know a few records i've done oh yeah maybe a couple of two three records i've done i've had two days in the studio um so it's always quite truncated i've never really done the video thing as successfully as i would like and there are just so many new Even at this point, album number 13, there are so many new things I'm about to experience that that gives me great hope and kind of fuels my curiosity. Um, I was I went got to go to the studio yesterday, got to take a water pause here. Mm -mm. But I got some rehearsal time, managed to carve out four hours in a rehearsal studio here in Los Angeles yesterday and took heaps of pedals. I took four SL-112s, two-tone hammer 500s, set up the full stereo rig and really gave it the beans. I mean, I yeah, I was rumbling the entire complex, I think, when I, when I threw the Hulk through that thing and stereo reverbs and putting the dark glass pedals, one in either side of the chain and tweaking them slightly differently. I had two Pladask pedals, the backlings and the Fabricat, one down each side, getting kind of granular synthesis and delay and pitch shifting stuff that's different on each side of the stereo image, just really experimenting with sounds. And a friend of mine was saying that it's... Uh, I can't, I can't, see if i can find this text because it was it was a cool sentiment it was 
more like um it I think he was saying it's more like it's a movie you're making a movie for a soundtrack or make not making a soundtrack for a movie or make, something like that it was it, it, I took it as a as a compliment for sure um and, and I think he meant it that way I'm trying to see if I can find the message here in our shit we did we just <laughs> we just talk way too much and I guess Chelsea's in the kitchen you can hear her walking around upstairs um yeah we talk ah nope no, now we're talking about, oh, man, our chats get way off track on so many different things. Um, Sidechain compression, analog man. Yeah, no, it's going to take me the entire rest of the podcast to find this thing. But it's basically the music is actually going to be able to say a lot more, I think, than just even without the video element we're doing. I think this music is going to be able to say a lot more um a lot more visually and emotionally than perhaps I've ever had the chance um, to to record before and to, and to present before. So I'm really looking forward to that. And the fact that we can get this story to be told, the fact that we are making a, like a feature-length documentary about it with a great film crew and like really doing it properly. I think that's... Um, I don't think I've ever been able to present a product for one. I, know, I hate calling it a product, but I guess it is... Um, especially as I'm taking it off all the streaming platforms and it will only be available for sale. I've never been kind of this excited to present a product before, I don't think, that has been centered around my own music. It's really, it's often very, very hard to let go of that or to give it perhaps as much uh, credit. That that's, um, sounds kind of egotistical, but to give it like, uh, I really don't know how to say that, just to be able to put the music up there and present it as something that's immensely important to me and to be able to stand behind that. I guess that's the, that's the thing. Like it's always been important to me. I've always just kind of been like, Oh, well I'll put it out there and see what happens. And this time it's with quite a different intent. And again, circling around and around and around so many common themes that, and threads that have run throughout my musical life, it, it is really, really fascinating um, how many of those things are important to me now and how much of that music is, uh, is, is percolating around my brain, uh, regardless of the fact that I'm not making music in, in quite a few of the styles that I've dug and loved throughout my, out my life. Um, whoa, I've got a lot of stuff. We, I record... We, I was on my own in the studio yesterday, but I recorded a lot of sounds and just um, whew, some modulated stereo reverbs. Obviously, oh, that sounds like the washing machine or the dryer has just gone on as well. So we'll get a nice, mm, what is that? That's up there and around. I'm not even going to pretend what frequency that is, but welcome to the uh, welcome to the podcast, Mister Tumble Dryer or Mrs. Tumble Dryer Frequency. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, the stereo imaging thing. Just experimenting with these, specifically with the H9 with the reverbs was beautiful, and working on the modulation within those and how those work in a stereo image. Obviously, you're not going to hear it through the little Zoom H6 uh, right on my on my desk here facing the monitors but uh
Got some awesome fuzzes. I took the red mark and the what's the other one from Jam Pedals? The red mark and the uh, shit. I forget the name of the other one. I took so many pedals, but I put them in stereo as well, which was super fun. Oh yeah, it was doing some FM on. Working on some modulation with the backlings. Um, and working on like this rotary thing, this uh, almost like a Leslie. It's, I think it's called Rotary Vibe. It's just a block in the HX stomp and getting some really cool stuff in the low end, like pushing a, a Hulk through that to get these kind of super warbly low notes. Very sinister. Sounds like maybe the soundtrack to a submarine movie or something. So, And as you can hear, some of it's super weird. I was doing some some sequencing stuff with the cp251 some very weird stuff um but not all of it is dark and demonic some of it's quite mellow and and beautiful if if i can find some of it here um and it was just really nice to be able to be in in an environment where i could really give it the beans um and then work on the natural sound of the bass a little bit. Some slide stuff. Anyway, yeah, this is like four hours of stuff to go through there. And I filmed it all because I'm going to use clips of it in the documentary, obviously, giving the kind of the background on how I got a lot of these sounds. And then the 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 joy, like the, the anticipation of adding Tom and Nico to this, like where do the drums and percussion in general sit in? Where does Tom's, you know, keyboard situation? There are some really nice vintage things in the studio as well as a grand piano. There's a pianette. There's a harmonium. Um, there are some Moog, Moog things. I know Tom's bringing a really nice keyboard. So the amount of layers and textures and storytelling we're going to be able to do with this stuff is just amazing. I wish we had three months in the studio. We have two and a half slash three days, something like two and a half days really um, locked out. So, yeah, really exciting time. Um, and just I, you know, I wish it was – I think we're looking at like a May 15th uh, release for the, for the album – um, and for the uh, the documentary, the video, the film, the documentary film. Um, for everyone who does the pre-sale, by the way, the whole, one of the whole bonuses of the very of the lowest level is that you get the whole album up front. I want to be very clear about that because I'm going to have it on a release schedule of two singles a month for five months or so leading up to the tour in the fall. I've talked a little bit about that. I'll probably make a video or something, put it on the website to really explain it. But if you are interested in the pre-sale and doing that, that is one of the bonuses that you'll get all of the album right away uh, up front. I was really trying to do a live call. I was going to limit it to just 10 people, 10 slots available, and do a live call with the band in the studio. Um, kind of have it intimate and have people ask questions. And then we got in touch with the studio and they said, and it's in, in Spain, you know, and they said, well, uh, it's a 12th century uh, farmhouse and we have pretty much a 12th century internet. So, uh, no es posible, así, no. Uh, <laughs> so, it's got some like satellite internet, which is basically worse than dial-up. So, no live video call with the band in the studio, but the crew, uh, the engineers, the musicians have all agreed to do it after the fact, which I actually think in hindsight, uh, now that I think about it, is actually kind of a little bit cooler because if you purchase one of those slots, you'll be able to, uh, you'll you'll have been able to check out the album and the the documentary footage and all that stuff uh, first before the call and then you can have like 
you know, ask some real questions, you know, based on what you heard and maybe things you wanted to hear, how we did. And, you know, I'm kind of excited to be able to share that side of things as well. You know, that's really not something that it gets shared often enough I don't think and I know from the feedback I get through my social channels and through YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff and just in person at clinics people are always asking yeah so how did you record that and I always say well you should ask John Davis or you know ask any of the engineers that worked with me in the past and it's not John Davis on this one although he's done a lot of records of mine it's Juan Pablo Alcarro who I think I mentioned before did Mystery to Me my first album he mixed that um, so he's mixing uh, he's uh, recording and mixing this one and we'll be able to like show that side of things um and we'll be able to show some conventional things like we'll be playing the bass as a bass player but then all the weird stuff and the pedal routing and how you deal with that in the studio and how you get the best sound out of a big stereo or the, the biggest stereo sound out of a stereo rig in the studio and blending things and where ambient loops and and different signal paths kind of fit in this process i think that maybe kind of equally if not more interesting it will be for me anyway <laughs> i know i'll go back and watch it myself then you know then the you know hey we did this song and we counted it off and then we played it you know and there'll be plenty of that um but the technical side of things very rarely gets a look in so i'm really kind of excited to present juan pablo and his expertise as well as the musicians and my music and all of that it's uh yeah um it can't happen soon enough, although I am grateful for the next three weeks to be able to kind of take what I learned yesterday in the studio about all these signal paths and, you know, the stereo thing. Really, ah, oh man, the end of the chain is quite, is quite a lot of fun, I have to say. You know, I have two stereo loopers, two stereo dittos. Those are the last two things in the chain. Then it will split left and right, go to the, the preamps, to the Neves or whatever, and go in the, in the computer. Um, and right before that, I have the H9 which I'm using for stereo reverb. And then I have an HX Stomp XL. But between the HX Stomp XL and the H9, I have three pedals down either side of the chain. So it comes stereo out of the HX Stomp. And down both sides, I have uh, a Franta bit on both sides. A friend of mine bought one, and he's coming to the studio. I'm delivering it to him in Europe. So at least I get to use stereo Franta bits for the session. So stereo Franta bits. And then next I have on one side the Alpha Omega X Ultra by um, Dark Glass. On the other side is the Microtubes X Ultra. So kind of two Dark Glass, genty, high-end, kind of dystopian, death spiral, distortion, preamp kind of things, which I can tune slightly differently, which help you know make that stereo image a little more interesting and then after them right before the h9 i have the backlings in the left and the fabricat in the right so i've got this kind of granular delay granular synthesis modulation going on again slightly different on either side to give you this kind of interesting stereo image so really psyched about those last kind of uh, one two three four five the last kind of five steps in the chain to the point where I might actually build those into a pedal board so that it's just the end of the chain is set and it's easy to get to and everything's kind of plugged in. I don't have to worry about it when I get there. And then up front, that's where all the changes can take place. You know, the Hulk and another H9, uh, uh, no, sorry, another HX Stomp for harmonizer stuff or whatever it is, whatever I want to throw up front. The, the Mooga Fuga stuff with the CP251, the ring modulator, the Freck box, all of that stuff um, could come could come before that so super psyched uh 
I'll, I'll try and share some clips maybe on the gram or on the YouTubes um, of yesterday's shenanigans. But uh, all eyes are on getting the pre-launch up and running. Final kind of design touches are being put to that this weekend. So I'll let you guys know um, as soon as that's up and running. Really psyched to be able to do that, to be able to offer a ton of goodies. Like I was saying, like the bootlegs, the real sort of <laughs> rare quite scary if i'm honest letting them out into the world the rare bootlegs of back in the day early gwiz uh, early tom corley as well um i did send it to him and he was like oh lord what on earth were we thinking so that should give you an idea of <laughs> we were pretty um young and uh, virile back in the day shall we say we like to give it the beans uh on a on a regular basis so we, we didn't really hold back that much um me in the uh, world of fusion, Tom Moore in the world of Phineas Newborn and Oscar Peterson, but still, it was um, it was an unbelievable amount, uh, unbelievable amount of fun playing with Tom back then in my band and gigs all over. The, we used to do gigs all over town with other people as well. It was awesome, and to be able to share that with some of you guys for the pre-sale is is really uh, it's quite emotional, I have to say, um, and it is very special. It's something I really uh, look forward to to throwing out there. So yeah, uh, as soon as it's ready to go, um, I don't want to fuck it up. You know what I mean? I want to make it right. I want it all to make sense. Um, I want people to, you know, the fans who are the fans of the music, I want them to know that I care. hope you guys know that. And uh, I want to give you as much as I possibly can. Also, I definitely want to fund the project, project as well. I don't want to like lose my shirt on it. And it's a big undertaking. So I have to take into account despite you know i've talked about it before despite having no commercial aspirations for this thing i'm not trying to make a living out of it but i am trying to present something beautiful um something that's honest and very personal for you know fans of the music and um and yeah try and fund the project in the same in the same uh in the same moment so yeah uh we we hit a bunch of stuff today huh openings of solos what are your favorites I don't know where you're listening to this, so it's kind of hard to comment, but join the Telegram channel. Maybe I'll throw a, a, a little questionnaire up in the Telegram channel or a place for you to you know, drop in your favorite solo openings or solo tags or handoffs or whatever it is. Um, I'll leave you with some homework. Go and check out Cannonball Adley, Quintet Plus, Lisa, Take 8, I think is the one they use on the record, and just the, the dovetail between Cannonball Adley's solo and Nat Adley's solo, it's just, you, you, you understand that they're so related and so in tune with each other when you hear that transition. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a smoking track as well. One of my favorite Cannonball tracks, a lesser known one perhaps. And yeah, go check that out. It's on all your favorite streaming services. Hey, be old fashioned. Go to an HMV or Tower Records if you can still find one and buy the record. Um, and until the next time, pretty soon, I'm guessing. Um, we'll do a little pre-sale launch podcast episode and maybe I'll play you a few little snippets of uh, of things that might be going in there for the bonuses. Uh, I don't know. But until then, I uh, appreciate you guys and girls, musicians, coffee drinkers of the world hanging out with me. And I'll uh, talk to you again on the next one.